Welcome back to Pastor Plex Podcast, where we talk faith, culture, and everything in between. Uh, I'm Pastor Pleck, and I am so glad to have in the studio with me is Lizzie Turk, the official counseling intern here at Wells Branch Community Church. Lizzie, welcome to the studio. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It's been been a minute since I've been here. Yeah, I know. It's it's so great. Tell um, us about what you're doing in your counseling training and when people can actually come and see you and you not get sued. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually working on my master's uh, in professional counseling right now. Um, and I will hopefully get to start seeing clients uh, later towards the end of this year is the goal. Um, and then once I'm actually fully finished with my uh, master's degree, I will be coming on staff full time as a counselor. Hey, um, yay for counselors. Yeah. Yay for Jesus. Yay for all the things. Uh, so I know that there's a lot of you out there that want help. You could still see Lizzie, but you'd have to see her as your friend, Lizzie, not your counselor, Lizzie. Yes, I love I, I love having friends. Yeah, friends um, are okay. Yeah, but I am not an official counselor right. and uh, not yeah not fully licensed yet. It's kind of like hanging so. out with a doctor before they get licensed. Then you know they might be able to tell you some cool things, but if they ever try to perform surgery, then you could sue them. Yeah, please please don't sue me. <laughs> don't sue the church. All right, so what I wanted Lizzie to come on here with is we're going to be talking about some extra questions that popped up. Not extra, that's that's probably a bad way, but some questions we haven't been able to get to in our regular podcast um, that I get to do with Katie and uh, Pastor Joseph. So I wanted to just kind of knock some out here. So, Katie, you want to do the honors and asking questions? Isn't that what well, counselors do? Well, I'm not Katie. You just called me Katie. Oh, that's really unfortunate. Yeah. Lizzie, would you, <laughs> <laughs> would you, ask, would you ask some questions for us? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so the first one we got, what's up? Chris, uh, I got a question for your podcast. For example, don't eat shellfish. Why do majority of Christians follow the law of a man should not lay with another man, yet other laws such as we shouldn't wear garments with mixed cloths uh, or do not plant two types of seed in your field or your crops will be defiled? Just interesting why some laws matter more, it seems. Yeah, I love this question because it, it sounds like someone who's really studying the Bible. Uh, so the law of God in the Old Testament is broken up to three different laws. You've got moral law, which is like always right or always wrong. Like don't kill people. Don't murder somebody. That is something that's always right. Don't worship any other God but God. That's always right. The Ten Commandments generally um, kind of give you the always right. The one that gets confusing in which uh, many, of the, many of us have put into the ceremonial c- category with that one is the obey the Sabbath. I was about to ask that. Yeah, so, you know, that's uh, number four on the list. And so why is it so? Okay, so let's just, let me just review. Moral law is stuff that's true all the time, Ten Commandments type stuff. Mm-hmm. Ceremonial law is stuff like um, uh, don't plant, uh, don't mix seeds on the ground, uh, kosher food laws, mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of thing. And then you've got civil law, like what you should do if your ox gores your neighbor and how much they have to pay in fines. That's civil law. So you've got moral law, ceremonial law, civil law. And moral law is stuff about God's design. So sex ethic comes within God's design. And in Acts, whenever the council of, I think it's what, Acts 15, um, uh, the, the, the council in Jerusalem, they get together and they go, hey, just do these two things. Don't... Um, maintain the, the 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 sex ethic and then don't eat blood uh, don't eat blood and so that one gets a little confusing because what about blood is that is that okay to eat blood should i not should i worry about eating my meat 
um, that's a little pink, you know, and that one it might be a, a debatable one. But for the most part, uh, people kind of go around the, the fact of, uh, in my personal opinion, is that um, that's not like drinking blood. Like that's like a, a drinking blood type type of thing. All right. So so like a medium rare steak. Yeah, medium rare steak. I think you're fine. Okay. Yeah, okay. So all right. So. Um, okay, so that gets us into like oh, what was that? What was it? Red Dawn when they you know take out the heart of the the deer or whatever, and then they eat it. Like that Ooh. in general, no, don't do that. Um, <laughs> 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 okay. Anyway, so um, old school movie. I feel, I, I feel like we was, could go down a rabbit. Yeah, trail that was with a that. big rabbit trail. Okay. <laughs> So moral law is stuff that's always true, God's design type stuff, and that is um, sex ethic, that is idolatry, that is uh, don't murder people, that kind of thing. And then the the ceremonial law is what made Israel culturally distinct. Mm -hmm. So what made them distinct is that they were pure in their linen. They were pure in their, their crops were all pure, their... Uh, mm-hmm. Eating was pure uh, or unclean, probably a better way to put that, or it was clean. It was clean. <coughs> it yeah. was clean, not unclean. <laughs> and so I think that that's really the the big definer. So wearing garments with mixed cloths uh, that would fall into the ceremonial law to keep Israel distinct, and having sex, man having sex with another man, would fall into moral law of following God's uh, design for sex. So what would that mean? Um, and this is just yeah. a question. I, thought of um as far as like uh jewish people in current current day um Mm -hmm. they still you know some still follow like you know sticking to kosher Mm -hmm. things like that um how how does that line up they don't the the problem the huge problem with jews today is they don't have the temple and a lot of the old testament is built around temple worship Mm -hmm. um and so if you can't sacrifice because the only place you you were allowed to sacrifice was at the temple so your any sacrifice is now illegal so remember i don't know if you guys i I don't know if you remember this lizzie uh, (laughs) because i know it's something that everyone loves to think about in the old testament but the criticism of all the good kings was that they didn't take down the high places the high places weren't actually idol worship they were altars to god yahweh but god yahweh said only worship me sacrifice to me at the temple Mm-hmm. And so people are like, oh, my gosh. I mean, we got a lot of issues. People are worshiping God up on the t- on the mountain, and who cares? And they didn't want to mm-hmm. go down that road. But that was one of the things that made them culturally distinct was that they didn't have a – you couldn't just worship God anywhere. You had to go to the temple, to and there wasn't a um, – there wasn't a, like, a, a, a thing to worship. It was just an empty room, and mm. that's where God dwelt. His spirit was there. That's what made yeah. – uh, the Jewish people really unique. So yeah. I think that answers it. Does yeah. That? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Next question. Uh, did you, or do you know of a scripture that confirms that our prayers are still alive before his throne after we die? I know almighty God is outside of time. Do our prayers expire? Oh man, this is a great question. And one that, uh, could be debatable, but I, I'll give you the one location. All right. Revelation five, eight, and I think elsewhere in Revelation is where the bowl of prayers is is at the altar. And so are those the prayers of all the saints for all time? Okay, I'll, I, I could give you that. It doesn't give you a distinct, like, these are the prayers from the people of this particular time. Or these are the current prayers, the ones that were just sent up like a second ago. Like, incense doesn't last for forever. It just, you know, it goes up to vapor and then it's gone. And so perhaps the prayers were the modern-day prayers, the uh, contemporary prayers of that time. But so you could make an argument that the prayers of all time are, are sort of 
in the bowl of God. But the weird thing is, does God like retroactively answer prayer? Or perhaps maybe another way to answer that is, could you, should you be praying for dead people? You know what I mean? Because usually mm-hmm. like, what if I could change God's will on somebody that I really love passed away and they could, you know, my prayer now would it affect time later. And so therefore they wouldn't be dead. And I'm like, that's a little confusing even to go down that road, but you could pray that, but that doesn't mean God has to answer that. And, um, usually when God's will is definitive, it's not like God, um, God doesn't live in a multiverse where, um, it's like a choose your own adventure. He already so we're knows not living in Marvel times. No, <laughs> it, this isn't a, yeah, this isn't a choose your own adventure comic book. This isn't, um, anything like that. Cause I feel like what people do is they, they go, you know, you know there, there's, if you would have done this, then your life would have turned out differently. Maybe, or, but it could have been that, that God already knew that you would make this sinful choice. And he knew that way in the past. And he made a way for that to be redeemed in the future because he knew how the whole thing would go. Yeah. And, and this gets into, you know, f- God's foreknowledge or God's um, predestination knowledge. I was about to say, yeah, this, so, <laughs> this gets into a hot topic, yeah, I it feel does. like. Does God, does God know everything because he's God or does God know everything because he's allowed it and planned it to be such? And so um, that's a great question. And where do you, where would where you would fall? I say I I kind of stand more on the 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 God predestined all things, but I'm mm-hmm. a I'm an infralapsarianist, which you're just like that's what a big word. That? <laughs> <clears throat> all right, so infralapsarianism is that when God was th- and this is all about God thinking. So how can we even think here about knowing what God knows? Mm-hmm. But infralapsarianism is that when God was thinking about inventing everybody or creating the world and the planet and the people and all that. Mm-hmm. He uh, first thought of all the people he wanted to love and he, he would bring him to relationship with himself. But then all of a sudden, if he thought about Adam and Eve, he thought about, huh, they're going to sin. So I'm going to make a way for them uh, to be redeemed. And I'm going to make I'm going to create something uh, that will help them be redeemed. I have a plan for Jesus. OK, this whole thing's going to work out. OK. Mm-hmm. Superlapsarianism is that. So oh, sorry. Infralapsarian is after the fall. Lapse, fall infra is after or in the middle of uh-huh. and superlapse is above or before so mm-hmm. before the fall god thought of after the fall god thought of okay so and it's not like after the fall he thought of, like after adam and sin he's like what happened no he's like i'm gonna make these people and they're gonna sin huh since they're gonna sin i need to do something about it okay does that make sense yes and that and that particular route would be the Super That's infralapsarianism. Infra- yeah, infralapsarianism. Okay. Superlapsarianism is. is when God thought of, I'm going to save these people, um, and um, I'm going to not save these people. The way I will not save these people is this fall will happen, and these ones are going to go to hell, and these ones will be the ones for me. For Got it. Life. And you could uh, you can argue both from a theological perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, the superlapsarianist makes God look mean. Um, and the infralapsarian yeah. is like, oh, that's the kind Jesus. Which I kind of fall into the infralapsarianist is, is that he knew that when if he created people, there would be a problem and that um, there would be sin and he made a way for all to be saved. Mm-hmm. Got which it. Which only few are. So yeah. There you go. Cool. Awesome. Uh, next question is, I, I love this question <laughs> so much. Uh, what do you think about church in the metaverse? All right, church in the metaverse. This <laughs> so is, what is the metaverse? The metaverse is a virtual reality where people like go to towns, go to church, and depending on 
who it created which particular metaverse because this is where the splinterverse is gonna oh man yeah so the splinter net <laughs> is about to come especially stuff like the ukraine and everything else where um countries that are more tyrannical and don't believe in democracy and free speech and all that are going to shut it down and so it's going to create splinter nets where you have an internet mm. in in russia you have an internet in um united states it mm. might be very much more vast because it goes to the united states mexico south america all that mm -hmm. but those that want to control what their people think in here are going to create a splinter net so that they don't have access to american ideas <coughs> anyway what all that to say <laughs> is the metaverse within that is a virtual reality platform where um let's say you went to meta had a had a metaverse platform and so you would go in there and there'd be towns and be creating you buy property there and you live your life um feels like a is bridge. it spending real money to um, buy like property oh in yeah. the metaverse you spend real money in the metaverse oh my goodness yeah so anyway and you can buy a <laughs> church building there right and so you buy a church building and you host church there or you go to the local theater in the metaverse uh -huh. and you do church and there's several churches that do the metaverse churches right now really? uh, life church in oklahoma does um craig groeschel does life uh, does metaverse church okay and so people go and like the the real theological issue on this mm -hmm. is does matter matter like we're gonna have to have like um like a protest for matter matters, you know, like that mm -hmm. literally is a thing. Does your body matter? Oh, wow. And if your body matters, because because a lot of people kind of go with a Greek philosophy, which is you are a soul encased with a shell and your body doesn't matter. However, hmm. when you, you will have a glorified body, which will just be a way better version of your current body. Whenever mm -hmm. you get to um, in the final state in the forever kingdom after the millennial kingdom, which I think <laughs> is really complicated. But yeah. to the point, does matter matter? And if matter matters, then then the metaverse church isn't an actual church because you need people physically there. Uh -huh. Or you could say it doesn't matter <laughs> because <laughs> it's reaching people. And who cares <clears throat> if their bodies aren't present um, because at least you're giving them an opportunity to hear the gospel and their body will be saved anyway. It's just, but it does get into a theology of man that I don't think anyone has ever had to think about. Is your body mm -hmm. a thing or not? Um, you know, again, Greeks thought of it was evil. It was just something that, um, you know, it, it consumed you with lust or passion and, well, and I, drove feelings. Well, I feel like with meta or the metaverse, it's actually it, it's still someone consciously engaging in that um it's not you know even though their their physical body mm -hmm. is not there mm -hmm. um i think that's at least a small positive i i still find no, it yeah, very I, strange but at least but i mean at least like no i totally agree i think there's a reality that you need to go meet people where they're at however i do think it does get into the doctrine of of, hu of a human being of yeah. what is a man mm -hmm. and is a man just his consciousness if so then there it doesn't matter yeah. if his matter isn't there but it, mm -hmm. if it if his if god if god designed your body and your body is good then don't forsake the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing i think that's again that's the struggle of all this and and theologians and scholars are going to be wrestling with this for the next millennia as we've tried to figure out what really being human means. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
<clears throat> I think that's what's tough, right? Because in the metaverse, you could be anyone. You, you could be a dog. You know, you could show <laughs> up to, you know, like, and then you get into a weird spot, right? Yeah. So, like, you're going to, yeah. I, I just want to be a werewolf at church today. And we're yeah. like, cool, you know, and, and so it's, are you baptizing the werewolf? I mean, you know, this yeah. is where it gets a little yeah. bit bizarre um, <clears throat> to think about what the reality is. And so, again, mm-hmm. does is baptism symbolic? Yes, baptism symbolic. Is salvation by grace through faith? Yes, completely. But it gets into what does your body matter? And so I think it's it, I don't think anyone's really wrestled through this enough because mm-hmm. who has time to do that when we have all these other issues going on mm-hmm. and um i think it's a real struggle so anyway I, yeah all, all that to say it's not a simple question of you should have church in the metaverse you shouldn't have church in the metaverse mm-hmm. i do think there's a place for it but my hope would be that the church in the metaverse would always lend you to a physical location at some point even if it was just a small group yeah yeah and i I just continuously think of, you know, we are made, we are made for community. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not made for isolation. And I think even with, you know, the pandemic and everything, we saw a lot of people struggle, even though we had the internet at our fingertips, you could talk to anyone, text anyone at any point. I mean, there really wasn't much else to do, but a lot of people still struggled. I mean, I'm just thinking from a counseling perspective, if people are going to start isolating themselves and living in this virtual reality that I think we're going to end up with this, ha- that I could go down a rabbit trail. No, but, but I, I feel like, I feel like you're bringing up yeah. a good point. You'd have to fool the brain to, to release oxytocin when you yeah. hug somebody in the, in the metaverse. And yeah. I don't know if you can do that because you can't do that now, but I'm sure there's, there might be a way to give yourself like a, you can spritz oxytocin up your nose. Uh, and that's a thing that you can yeah. do. And that, so whenever you have like a hug of somebody, you give yourself a spritz of oxytocin that kind of bonds you to that person. But what that happens just with the sounds power like failure? addiction to me. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you I, start getting I, addicted I, just, to spritz. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's a thing, right? It's a thing that yeah. releases a chemical hormone in your brain that is what you're supposed to feel when you hug somebody or around people and you have family, mm-hmm. all that thing. That's a big deal. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, that might be a little more complicated than we really want to get into. But yeah. I, I, I feel like that it's it's a real. I think the metaverse is something we're going to talk about for a long, long time, and we got to be ready for what um, is going to be out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you to whoever sent that in. That was really interesting. All right. So last question for this round. Yeah. Um, can you explain how God viewed or handled sin in various times? Adam to Moses before the law, Moses to Jesus after the law, but before the spirit and Jesus to now with the spirit and under the new covenant. After reading Romans five thirteen through 14, I could use some clarity on how man's consciousness of sin and God's view of sin worked between each of those times. Man, this is really challenging. Um, So God's view of sin and salvation is really what we're looking at here. Let me read uh, Romans 5, uh, 13 and 14. Before the, before, okay, so 512. So then just as sin entered, through enter the world through one man and death through sin. So death spread to all people because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but there is no accounting for sin where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who did not sin in the same way that Adam, who is a type of the one coming one, transgressed. But the gracious gift is not like the transgression, for the many died through the transgression of the one man. How much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, multiply to many? Okay. 
So let's go to that question again. Can you explain how God viewed, handled sin in various times? So from Adam to Moses, let's just go Adam to Moses. There was one <clears throat> one rule in Genesis uh, 2. Uh, you shouldn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then in Genesis 3, they broke that law. Then in Genesis 9, okay, now, so here, here's what's interesting. The, in the age of... And this is where it gets just so challenging. The age of innocence is disrupted by the age of conscious where all of a sudden they should know the right thing to do. Now, Cain in Genesis 4 kills Abel. So although that wasn't a law, there was no law at that point that said don't kill anybody. That law doesn't show up until Genesis 9 when God gives that law to Noah after he gets off the boat. Uh, so you have uh, the reality of conscious is if you go against your conscience in from, uh, so that would be from, that would be from Adam to Moses. All right. So that's before life. You went against mm -hmm. your conscience, you were going against the law and God gave you conscience so that you knew the right thing to do. So don't murder somebody. Cain knew that he wasn't supposed to do it. Um, but sin was right there with him, and he couldn't master it. Hopefully, that makes somewhat of a sense. But then, after yeah. then, then from Mo, during Moses, Moses to Jesus, you had the law, which was the written law, six hundred thirteen commands um, that people had to follow. And what we learned from Hebrews is that the law was there to reveal to you that you couldn't actually do it. Hmm. So one. So here's what's interesting: you in the age of innocence, you couldn't follow God. Mm -hmm. If you had no no sin in you, you couldn't do it. In an age of conscience, you couldn't follow your, your conscience to know good from evil. In the age uh -huh. of law, when it was written down and you had like a whole government structure going to support God's law, you couldn't do it either. Mm -hmm. And that's why you needed Jesus to do it for you. And that's why when Jesus came from heaven to earth, he lived a righteous life that nobody could live, and then he died on the cross. And then what Romans 5 says is that in the same way that sin spread to all people— um, through the one man's sin that righteousness spread to all to all who would believe so it's not a universalist thing uh all who would believe through jesus so that's mm -hmm. really the idea there is that you cannot do it on your own jesus and the cross is the only way that you can achieve salvation and you can't even this is uh ephesians 2 8 uh it, your salvation is by faith is by grace through faith and it's not of your own doing it is uh so that no one can boast. No, not a work of man. No one can boast. It's a gift of God. And so when we understand that it's a gift that God gives us, that we were dead, that's Ephesians 2, 1 through 11, essentially, uh, that, that God made you alive in Christ, that mm -hmm. he did it all, that means that you did nothing but bring your dead body to the scene. Hmm. And even that, yeah, he did that too. So Yeah. Wow. I, you know, I feel like I learn something new every time. You know, <laughs> learning, learning new stuff. Hopefully that wasn't too theologically uh, intense. Um, but there, yeah, I feel like when you look at it, Adam to Moses, Moses to Jesus, and Jesus now, and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so here's one thing about, sorry, here's one thing about salvation. Salvation has always been by grace through faith in what? Faith in what? Faith in the Messiah. In Genesis 3, we, we hear about the offspring that will one day uh, crush the head of the serpent and who would also bite his heel. That mm -hmm. is believing in that promise. In Genesis 15, the promise that 
one day that Abraham, through his offspring, the whole world would be blessed. It's belief in his offspring. Mm-hmm. It, then when uh, you hear all the all through the law that one day Moses said, there's going to be a prophet like me who will follow me. You're, you're going to believe in him. Uh-huh. You will believe in the prophet. You'll believe in the Messiah. And all throughout the, you know, Isaiah, Isaiah 53 really points to that. You are going to be believing in the Messiah. Malachi, believe in the Messiah. He is coming. Yeah. So, so even even throughout all these different times, it's mm-hmm. all pointing always to... Been, and the law, Jesus. thankfully, if you follow the law, you are following the Messiah because he mm-hmm. put the law in place. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, I think that about answers all of our questions for today. Yeah. And so, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, one of the things that I've been challenged by is what is our phone number? I, I just totally went blank on what our number oh, is. Oh, no, you're good. I will pull that up right yeah, because now. We need that. Uh, if, you're, if you want to get a hold of us, yeah. Um, so if you do have any questions, um, we are working to, if you've already sent in a question, we're working through all of those. Um, we're going to have some bonus episodes, but, um, if you want to send in any new questions, uh, just text us at 737-231-0605. And that phone number is also in the show notes. Yeah. So make sure you, uh, yeah. So tell a friend, uh, share this, uh, podcast with all your peeps and really looking forward to another episode with you. Have an awesome week.